Morning all. It's uh, been a rather warm couple of days, the last three days, and I'm just thinking about how the weather gets our attention, yet sometimes when we preach the word, it doesn't sink into people's hearts. But I'm reminded of looking at Jeremiah, looking at 1 Corinthians and 1 Timothy today for our message regarding the Lord's plan for mankind, his church, and for you individually. If you take your Bibles and turn to Jeremiah 29, and we're going to read from 11 through to 13. And Jeremiah here is speaking about Israel just before they're going into captivity with Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, these are the words of the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem under the residue of the elders which were carried away captives to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people of Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive from Jerusalem. Although the Lord here is speaking to the Israelites, it also has great application for the world as well. Jeremiah 11, sorry, Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13 reads, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. For the church, it's from uh, 1 Corinthians twelve twelve. To 18. For there is for the for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we bond or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I am not of the ear, of the eye, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where was the smelling? But now God hath the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And so lastly for the individual, I exhort thee therefore, this is from 1 Timothy 2, 1-7, I exhort thee therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceable life, in all godliness and honest in honesty. For this is the good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Saviour, who will have all men to be saved, and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus, 
who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So you see a link here that there's not just for the not just for mankind, but it's for the church and it's also for you as an individual. We see from these three pieces of scripture that there is an Old Testament reference, two New Testament passages, and it says by the gathering of two witnesses, that being old and new, is the truth established. And that comes from 1 John 5, 7. God has a plan that was implemented before creation. Paul often talks about the mystery of the church and that he was to be a minister to the Gentiles. We see in Genesis 3 the plan of redemption, the mystery of the Gentiles being grafted in through the church. But also, lastly, a plan for you individually. But we must remember always that just as there is a plan from God the Father, our adversary, the devil, also has a plan. Satan's plan is to deflect, hinder and harass God and his people. But also to harass you if you are born again. Satan will leave you alone if you're not saved. Because he's got you. But you must understand that God wants all men to be saved. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for the truths that are found in your word. We thank you, Lord, that this is a book of comfort. It is the book of truth. It is a book of eternity. It is a book of judgment. It's a book of conviction. We pray now, as the word is preached, that it goes out in strength and in power by the Holy Spirit, that lives be changed, that people's hearts are convicted. We pray, Lord, through all this, that you be given the glory for it. We pray for those family and friends Work colleagues who do not know you, Lord, that through our testimony, through your word, that they be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to take your Bibles now and turn to 2 Peter 3, 9-14. And it's looking about the Lord's promise. There are many promises in the Bible, but this highlights his plan for mankind. It also links in members of the church, but it also, too, looks at the individual. I ask the Lord, please give me a scripture that can pull all this together so we can see how this all happens. 2 Peter 3, 9-14 reads, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us ward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It doesn't say some, it says all. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens 
shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burnt up. Verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ye ought to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens bring on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Verse 9 plainly states that God is not concerning, is not slack concerning his promise. So what's his promise? It's his second coming. God in his long suffering wants all to be saved, to come to repentance. Repentance is not just a direction in life, it's the admittance of sin and that you're a sinner. For there is no no one righteous, no, not one. It's from Romans. And if we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we are found of him in peace. We have peace with God. We are without spot and blameless. Purely by the great sacrifice that he provided on the cross. We can only be these things if we are saved. That we are without spot or blameless. This is found at the cross of Jesus Christ. This is where mankind met his God and mankind crucified him. And we shouldn't blame the Jews. But Jesus Christ was put on the cross by Romans. And they were Gentiles. It's at the cross we see the pinnacle of human history where peace and redemption took place for man. Reconciliation took place because of the blood that was shed for the remission of sins by Jesus Christ on and in his body. Yet we look at the world, we look at how the world sees this event and it's dismissed. They're actually trying to change AD and BC to BCE before Common Era. Tell me what is Common Era? So you see, man may try and change the times, dates and seasons and everything else, but human history records that this event actually took place. Last week, Pastor O'Connell, O'Connell sorry, preached on these very matters. We had the woman who stood at the cross who showed empathy and sympathy towards our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We then had the hardened soldiers who were apathetic, don't know and don't care. Yet strangely, it is recorded in Matthew 27, 54, states, Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And then we had the multitude 
on Palm Sunday, four days before the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. They were laying palm leaves down upon his path, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Mark nine, sorry, Mark eleven, nine to ten states, and they that went before and they that followed, crying, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That same multitude lifted up their children and said, Let his blood be upon us. But let's look at some of the whosoevers. This sort of links in with not just mankind but individuals as well. But you're going to see a very important point. When I did a study on this and searched it out, it occurs 163 times in the Bible. And it starts at Genesis 4.15. And it goes right through up to Revelation 22.17. Now if it starts in Genesis and finishes in Revelation, the Holy Spirit put that there because it's important. And it's important that we know it. Let's look at John 3.15, 3.16. One of the most quoted Bible verses. It is a call to those who are sinners it's a call to recognize Jesus Christ. We see here that you must be born again. That Nicodemus came by night asking. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Listen very carefully. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. It's very clear and plain that God through his word states that mankind has been warned. But there's also dire consequences if you don't heed the seriousness of it. God has used prophets, God has used signs, God has used miracles, God has used everything. And it's interesting at the moment we have this massive push regarding the climate. The climate from what I've been reading out of the scriptures, is that these things, different earthquakes happening around the world, there's famine and pestilence, there's things occurring that even the world now is starting to ask questions. That there is a God and that he is trying to get your attention. For those who are saved, we know and we understand. And it's not... It's not a cockiness, it's not an arrogance, it's the fact that we're trying to let people know. But as Pastor McConnell preached last week, with apathy, I don't know and I don't care. When you have to stand before the Son of God, you will know and you will care a lot. So it's really important that we understand as to this plan for mankind it's often questioned 
why would God create man or Lucifer knowing full well that he was going to sin and do what he did? Well, there's nothing wrong with asking the question. It's probably the acceptance of the answer. And the answer is that God can do as he pleases. But also, it's more of a reflection of God that how great he is. That he is sovereign, he is in charge, and he is the one that will bring about his plan regardless of what is thrown in its path. So we're going to switch gears here. We're going to look at the church. So what is the church? The church is an assembly of called out believers who are local. And I say this, it should be independent. So who's the head of the church? It's Jesus Christ. Now there's two scriptures here. I'm going to read. One comes from 1 Colossians 1.18, and it says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that all things might have the preeminence. What I would like you to do now is I'd like you to turn to Ephesians 1, 20 to 22. And you're going to see what I've done is I actually... I've printed off the statement of faith of our church and how these things bring in and combine exactly what is written here. Ephesians 1, 20 to 22. It reads, Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand. When something's set at the right hand, it usually means authority. In the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, including Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, that's not in there, I'm just stating that, because the world likes to grab these philosophies and think that they are superior. But here in God's word it says... Every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet. There you go, sovereignty and dominion again. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. We see mega churches, we see churches today. I'm blessed that I had a mother who, who was, was part of the Open Brethren uh, uh, that taught and shown me what a church is and what it should be. But it's sad today that we've seen, and it said it was going to happen in Timothy, was it Peter? It said there must be a falling away first and then there's other things that are going to happen. And we've seen things that have accepted into the, the world now that the church embraces. God is not about numbers. God is about righteousness and love and peace and comfort. He is all those things. But we must understand, when it comes to God, God is righteous. And he won't allow anything in his presence that is not. 1 Peter 2.7 says, Unto therefore which believe, he is precious, but unto them which are disobedient, 
The stone which the builders rejected the same is made the head of the corner. Romans 12.5. Let's have a look at its members. Romans 12.4 and 5 says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts... Differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy, let us prophecy according to the appropriation of faith. There are so many things you can do for God while we're here. The single greatest thing that you can do is pray. Pray and praying are an act of worship. You are looking to the one who can give you comfort in times of stress, can give you times of joy, times of, of knowing our state, condition and position before a holy God. And so when time, when time of trouble come, we can go to God. When times are good, we can go to God. But always be in prayer. Now, I don't think you can see this, but this is from our statement of faith. And I'm going to pull a few things out because one of the things I wanted to look at was doctrine, teaching, and what the local church should be. So number one is the Bible. We believe the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, were verbally inspired of God and inerrant in its original writings and is the supreme authority and final and final, sorry, and final authority in faith and practice. Not some other church, not some other organisation, not some other man, but the Bible. God, we believe in one God, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and that God is sovereign, a living being, infinite in power, knowledge and wisdom, with a plan for man and the universe which he actively engaged in carrying out to completion. Amen to that. We believe that Jesus Christ was begotten by the Holy Spirit and born of Mary, a virgin, and is true God and true man. Creation, man and sin, we believe the literal Genesis account of creation, that man was created in the image of God. Currently, right now, we're looking at, um, on our Sunday uh, was created in the image of, of uh, created in his image. What was that we lost, but we'll also get back as well, and that being the image of God. Man that he sinned and thereby incurred not only physical death, but also spiritual death, which is separation from God. Here comes the whosoever. That all human beings are born with a sinful nature and in the case of those who reach the age of moral responsibility are sinners in thought, word and deed. When we look at the Ten Commandments, they're actually 30. Thought, word and deed. Some more doctrine. Salvation. Salvation is not of works. We believe that all have sinned and need to be saved. That's from Romans 3.23. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures as a representative and substantiary sacrifice and that all who believe in him are justified on the basis of his shed blood. You didn't shed your, you didn't shed your blood, he did. We believe in the eternal security of the believer. 
We believe all that receive faith, the Lord Jesus Christ are born again of the Holy Spirit and become children of God. We believe in the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. Here's an interesting one, soul liberty. I like this because it's just, see, when you, when you look at a church, you want to see what it stands for. And brother and I, brother Bernie and I were talking yesterday about the local church. That it's fundamental to the doctrine, the teaching of what it says. We believe that individual, every individual must obey God rather than men, for everyone must give an answer to God individually. Therefore, listen to this, no man nor any church has the right to act as a person's conscience. Each one has the right to interpret scripture and responsibly and responsibility to God as to how he does so. As a believer in Christ, the Christian has the Holy Spirit to guide and enable him from the aid of the aid of a man or church. Cults work by saying, if you leave us, XYZ is going to happen to you. It's a very powerful, it's a very powerful sort of chain that, that I don't think the Lord would be happy with because it goes everything against. That's why God gives us a choice. We are a priesthood of believers. We believe that all believers have immediate access into the holiest of the blood by Jesus, blood of Jesus. That we may need uh, that we need no human agency to intercede before the throne of grace for us, and that Christ, that Jesus Christ, is our only mediator before God, which I read earlier. The local church. Here we go. We believe that the local church of the New Testament is a body of believers, all of whom have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, have confessed Him as Lord have followed him in biblical baptism by immersion, frequently remember him in the Lord's Supper, endeavour to fulfil his commands and obey the word of God. That we meet regularly for fellowship, worship and instruction in the word of God. By the way, you can download and you can read this. The best part is that everything that is stated is backed up by scripture. What's the authority? God's word. We also believe that each local church is sovereign and independent of and from any centralised power, whether other churches or denominations, that there is a separation of church and state, but a responsibility to obey the powers that be of government, except in cases where it violates the commands of God's word. We see at the moment there's a, a lot of churches that are, are being restricted by government agencies stating that you can't do this and you can't do that. Under the, almost said it, under the fact that uh, we have a spread of, of, a, of a contagion. But God says also we, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves, of ourselves. Remember what I said. The greatest power that Christians have is prayer. They can't stop us from praying. We can sing. Not in church. But we can sing. There are other ways to worship than having to just to, to be as a group. But thank the Lord that we are able to meet and that we can still do this. Israel, we believe the literal fulfillment of the prophecies and promises of the scriptures which foretell and assure the future restoration and regeneration of Israel as a nation. The church has not replaced 
Israel. (laughs) Study it. You'll find it. God will show you. The ordinances. We believe that the spiritual ordinance of the church are baptism by immersion and the Lord's Supper. Baptism is to be administered to believers only and as a symbol of their faith in the, uh, in the belief in the death, burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus and Saviour Jesus Christ as a picture of the identification of the believer with Christ in his death, burial and resurrection and the Lord's Supper to be taken only by baptised believers to show forth his death till he come. Now, it's really interesting. In a lot of countries, if you get baptised, off comes your head. Why? Because you're identifying with Jesus Christ. And you're going to see later on why he's hated. And it's really sad that we have the very thing that could save them from eternity of punishment that they hate, that the world hates. Lastly, And I've, I've skipped over a few of these uh, doctrines and teachings, but the devil, we believe that the devil or Satan is a person that the unholy God of this age, the prince of powers of darkness, the author and father of evil, has many demons and fallen angels assisting him in his opposition to God. Remember what I said? He has a plan. Satan LSA has a plan. He wants to divert, deflect, dismiss, remove. They took God out of schools. taken God out of the public arena and recently though I don't recommend it because you'll find there's a lot of uh, stuff on YouTube that's a bit dodgy but it was interesting it was about athletes who said that they give God the glory for what they've just done or that they're a believer in Jesus Christ and immediately it's cut. Cut out. Why? I guarantee you now, if it was someone from another faith, they'd let that roll. The devil also is destined to judgment and eternal justice in the lake of fire. All backed up by all backed up by scripture. Lastly, God's plans to you. To the saved, God's promises. John sixteen thirty three says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I'd like you to take your Bibles now to John 15, 18. And we're going to read through to 26. This is for the believer. This is for our brothers and sisters across the world right now who may be facing persecution, tribulation in their life. For us, John 15, 18 to 26. I'll make sure that I've got that right as well. 
And it's interesting, these are the words of Jesus Christ himself. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things which they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. They're been exposed. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now they now have both seen and hated me, both me and my father. I think Jesus Christ was talking to and about the Jews at the time that they didn't quite understand what was going on. Remember, and it's from a fleshly point of view, if we didn't have the scriptures, we'd want a saviour who would come in and right all the wrongs of the world. All the injustice, all the problems, all the bad things. Clean them up. But God had other plans. It was through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we gain redemption. That meant the cross. Peter even said to his Lord, to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to paraphrase here, I don't want this to happen. You're not going. And Jesus Christ said, Get the hence behind me, Satan. That's a pretty powerful sort of statement to punch back. Not literally, but in a speech sense. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, verse 26, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth, from the Father. He shall testify of me, and ye shall also bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. We love Christ because he first loved us. 1 Timothy 2 1 to 7 also repeats this, which I've sent earlier about the individual. You either have Christ or you don't. You're either saved or you're not. It's pretty simple. 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 7. But I'm actually going to use 4 through to 7. Listen to these words. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time whereunto i am ordained preacher and apostle i speak the truth in christ and lie not i teacher of the gentiles in faith 
and Verity. Very interesting. You look at Paul, and you look at Paul's life. He was a guy who was hell-bent on pulling Christians out of their homes. He was there when Stephen was stoned. He was there holding the cloaks of the men who did it. But look what happened. A complete 180. For those who are religious, there's a warning for you too. Can you please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 14, 21 to 29. These are for the religious people who think they're okay. Who think that God will accept me because I'm good. I'm better than my neighbour. I thank the Lord I'm not like this man. It doesn't cut it. Matthew 14, 21. Sorry, I've got that wrong. Matthew 7. I think it's Matthew 7, 21 to 29. It is, sorry, it is Matthew 7, 21 to 29. And this is a warning for those who aren't saved. It is for those who are religious for those who have put their faith in other things other than the shed blood of Christ. Matthew seven twenty one to 29, it reads, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. What's the will of the Father? The will of the Father is that all be saved through the shed blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? Notice something here. Have we not? And it mentions the word works there. Jesus Christ turns around and says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, here's that word again, whosoever. Heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. The rock being Jesus Christ. And the rain descended, and the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon the rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, I'm a good person, I work for charity, I helped an old lady across the street, means nothing in regards to salvation. Shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Your works, your religion, your dietary guidelines. 
And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as having, taught them as one having authority. Listen to this. And not as the scribes, the educated ones. Who is this man, Jesus? He has no letters after his name. Isn't he Joseph's son? Isn't he a carpenter? Isn't he Mary's son? Jesus Christ was both God and man. The mediator. In order for mediation to occur, there has to be the one that's been offended... The offender, but there's a mediator. Has to represent both. Can you see how Jesus Christ is the only one that can represent both? God, mankind, you, the individual. That he brings peace back together through the shed blood of the cross. God demanded righteousness, the very thing we don't have, but the very thing the mediator has. He said before time, before eternity, I'll step forward, I'll pay the price knowing full well this is what's going to happen. And if you reject that, you have no hope. We're quite willing to observe and, and look at ourselves and compare each other. I'm a good person in comparison to that person. I've done this compared to that person. <coughs> compare yourself to Jesus Christ and you'll see how far short you fall. There's an eternity of difference. So if you ever get the opportunity... To witness to someone, let them know that Jesus Christ came and died from my own cross, his cross for you. We see today in the world, I'm okay, but there's things happening and, and coming That it says in this word, it's going to get worse. We, as believers, as a church, have to pray. We have to understand that things are going to happen. It's going to get heavy. I thank God that we live in such a great country. That we be mindful to, to pray for our leaders. We pray for our friends and co- work colleagues, family that don't know Christ. But God's plan comes to fruition. The plan for mankind, the plan for his church, the plan for you individually. As I said, tough times are going to come. But we praise God for the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever happens, we praise God for it. Why? He's God. He's sovereign. For I have plans for you. 
I'll read that again. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. You shall seek me and find me, and you shall search for me with all your heart. There's one thing I've learned about being a Christian is you never give up. Never give up hope. Never give up praying. Never give up coming to church. Don't ever give up. And when you feel like it, pray to God. Give me the strength. Give me the courage. Give me divine appointments. 